Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. Mother's Day to our moms. My name is Kristen. I'm your Connections Pastor, but my more favorite title is I'm John's Wife, and it's just an honor to share this day with you and speak a word of encouragement over your lives today. Um, you know, around here, we celebrate Mother's Day, but we celebrate womanhood. We celebrate sisterhood. We celebrate the gift that God has put in every single woman in this place, and that's just that mothering spirit. So, you know, it was our staff's heart today to as women come in this place, that you would feel so special, that you would feel seen, that you would feel loved, that you would feel valued. I hope you enjoyed your rose when you came in the door. And we have a sweet treat today when you leave to remind you to have the sweetest Mother's Day. We love you, we see you, and we value you today. I want to say if, if this day is hard in any way, I, I want to say we love you. And we're thankful that you are here today and you spent today with us. You're so loved. Lord, we thank you for this time, God. We pray that you would just, we know you're already here, but we welcome your spirit, God, into this room right now. Lord, knowing that you have a word for everyone in this place, knowing that you are mighty and you're good. And Lord, we just, we praise you. We just take this time just right now to just welcome you individually into our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen, amen. Well, how many of you love a hero? We, we love a hero, don't we? We love, we love a hero. And me being a woman, I love it when the hero is a chick. Don't you girls? Isn't that fun? So, you know, this message is today going to be a little more geared for the women. But men, we welcome you to lean in because we know that God has something for you as well. But it's all about the girls today, so we're going to celebrate that. But, yeah, we love a hero. You know, I think there's only one time in my life that I felt heroic. And, and we, John has told this story before, but he doesn't doesn't tell the whole story. So I'm going to fill you in on the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. But we had just moved into a parsonage. It was our first pastorate. Our baby, our newborn baby, Clarice Johanna, had just been born and was in on my bed sleeping. And just moving into the parsonage, um, we were in the living room. It was hot. The air conditioning wasn't working. We had the windows open. Wheel of Fortune was on the TV. And John is sitting there on the couch in his underwear reading the paper. So a typical night at home, right? And... We're, we're, I see out of the corner of my eye something fly down the hallway. And I said, John, I think there's a bird in the house. And he dropped down the newspaper, and just then it flew back. And he said, Kristen, that's not a bird. That's a bat. And just like that, my knight in shining armor, my hero husband, ran out the front door. And it's still daylight. Yeah. So... You know, I would have done, so I feel like a hero, but here's the truth. I would have, I did what every one of you would have done in that situation because my baby was in on my bed and I wasn't about to abandon her. And so I grab the broom and I start chasing that thing all through the house and I'm making all kinds of noise and you'd think John would come back in. No, he doesn't. So finally, when I take care of the bat, I look outside and I see him cowered behind the tire of our car. And I, 
And just then, you guys, a car is coming down the street. And I said, I hope that's church people. Yeah, it wasn't. But, yeah. You know, he might have not have been a hero in that case, but he is my hero. And, you know, he makes getting up here look so easy, doesn't he? You know, it's, it's, I'm telling you what, it's a struggle sometimes to get up here and preach the word because we just want to be faithful to the word. But he does it every single Sunday and does it so well. Can we give him a hand clap? Yeah. Babe, you're good. You're really, really good. You're an encourager. Thank you. I don't take this lightly, and um, it's not my comfort zone. So this message today that I'm speaking, it's kind of humorous that God has me speaking it because I'm totally preaching it to myself first about stepping in to what God has you to do. So this Mother's Day, I want to preach on the book of Judges, Judges chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, you, I'm going to give you time to turn there. I'll have the screen, the verse on the screen behind me as well. But the book of Judges picks up where the book of Joshua ends. And this is with the nation of Israel is taking a stand for God. And they are stepping into their promised land. And they settle in Canaan. And we learn in chapter 1 of Judges that some of the enemy nations are still in the land because the Israelites failed to obey God and drive them out. And that's going to be a problem. So when Joshua dies, instead of enjoying the freedom and the prosperity of the promised land, you know, this was the land flowing with milk and honey. So instead of enjoying that kind of land and the promises of God, Israel now enters into a time of oppression. And this era in Israel's history is known as the Judges. And God raises up over this period of 325 years a succession of leaders that God himself appoints to guide and to deliver Israel from the oppression of their enemies. And so here we are in our story today where the children of Israel are in this cycle where they're in the sin cycle where there's a time of peace and then everything's going well, but eventually they forget about God and then they do evil in the eyes of the Lord. And then the enemy oppresses them and then God, they cry out to God and God raises up a deliverer to deliver them. And then when once God delivers them, there's a time of peace for the rest of that judge's life. And so here we are in this cycle with the children of Israel, and God is about to raise up the fourth judge. It's been a time of 20 years where the people were oppressed. And so God now raises up another judge, an unlikely choice, because she's a woman. And her name is Deborah. So we're going to study about Deborah today. I'm going to start reading in Judges chapter 4 and verse 6. And it says this, Deborah sent to Barak... And she said to him, it has become clear that God, the God of Israel, commands you, go to Mount Tabor and prepare for battle. Take with you 10 companies of soldiers, and I'll take care of getting Sisera, the leader of Jabin's army, to Kishon River with with all his chariots and all his troops. And I'll make sure you win the battle. So Barak said to Deborah, if you go with me, I'll go. But if you don't go with me, I'm not going to go. 
So she said, well, of course I'll go with you, but understand that with an attitude like that, there'll be no glory in it for you. God will use a woman's hand to take care of Sisera. And Deborah got ready, and she went with Barak to Kadesh, and 10 companies of men followed him, and Deborah was with him. Verse 14, Deborah said to Barak, charge. This very day, God has given you victory over Sisera. Isn't God marching before you? Isn't that good? Isn't that so good? So, so here I'm going to stop there, and we'll keep reading in a moment. But Deborah is a judge, and a judge in that time was so much more than just a, a, a dispute, a settler of disputes. A judge would be a ruler. A judge would be a deliverer of the people, a rescuer. And so Deborah was all of that, plus she was a prophet. So here's Deborah, and she has a word from the Lord, and she delivers this message from God to Barak, who is her military general. And God tells him this, take 10,000 men to battle against Sisera, who is the commander of the Canaanite army. And she tells him, God will deliver them into your hands. Now, Barak's response to her is, you know, (laughs) I'll go. I have faith to go and believe that God's going to give us a victory, but I need you to go with me. And if you don't go with me, I'm not going. I want you to come with me. Isn't this interesting here that, you know, Barak had the faith to go, but his faith was bolstered to go forth against insurmountable odds if Deborah were to join him. You know, that is just a beautiful demonstration of how much better we are together, where we need one another. You know, when you're vulnerable and you're alone, you can really be afraid. But when you're vulnerable and you're with people, you just become brave. And and the truth is that we were never created to be alone. And so without hesitation, Deborah courageously agrees to go and Why? Because Deborah had a word from the Lord. Deborah had heard from God, and she takes him at his word. Verse 15, it says, God routed Sisera, all those chariots, all those troops, before Barak. And Sisera jumped out of the chariot, and he ran. And Barak chased those chariots and troops, and Sisera's entire fighting force was killed. Not one man left. So in a nutshell, God showed up in an impossible way to the children of Israel so they could obliterate their enemy. There's so much here. Verse 17, meanwhile, Sisera, running for his life, headed for the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. Now Jabin, king of Hazor, and Heber, the Kenite, were on good terms with one another. So Jael stepped out of her tent, and Sisera said, to, and, and to meet Sisera and said, come on in, stay here with me and don't be afraid. And so she went, he went inside of her tent and she covered him with a blanket. And he said to her, please, a little water, I'm thirsty. And she opened a bottle of milk, gave him a drink and covered him up again. Verse 21, then while he was fast asleep from exhaustion, Jael took a tent peg and hammer and tiptoed toward him and drove the tent peg through his temple all the way to the ground, and he died. So I guess in modern-day terms, we could say, she nailed it. (laughs) That's for Claire. She asked me to say that. So, yeah. You're welcome. (laughs) 
So, so that's in the Bible. I mean, can you believe, isn't this exciting? And people think the Bible is boring. Wow, this is an amazing story. So here's the deal. Sisera now flees, and he just happens to come upon the tent of a woman named Jael. Now, now Sisera's, Sisera knew Jael's husband. And so he probably, we can safely probably assume that he probably knew Jael as well. And we're told that Jael's husband had friendly relations with the Canaanites. And so Heber, Jael's husband, would have a loyalty to both sides. This is a guy who didn't make up his mind, who was on the fence. And so the enemy literally comes knocking at Jael's door. And actually, it was her tent. And so you got to understand, even in those days, word travels fast, right? So, so JL has certainly probably heard about Deborah. I mean, this would be huge news. There's a woman leading the army into battle. And, and you can understand that JL was well aware of the oppression of the Israelite people. I mean, these were God's people. And so she welcomes Sisera into her tent, and he asks for water, and she does one better, and she gives him a nice glass of warm milk, and, and she makes him feel right at home, and, you know, he lets his guard down, and he starts to relax, and, and after all, you know, he's in the company of an ally, or, or so he thinks, and she gets him all cozy and a, a place to rest, and she covers him up, and she tucks this big warrior man into bed, and Sings him a little lullaby. Not really. You know, in he, his exhausted body from running from battle, he now drifts off to sleep. And this is where she makes her move. See, Sisera has been a thorn in the side of Israel for far too long. And today is the day that comes to an end because two women would step in to what God called them to. Two women would arise to the calling of the Lord. And because they did, Israel had rest in the land for 40 years. So what do we, what's our takeaway today? First of all, I just want to encourage you. I'm reading the, out of Judges chapter 4. There is so much here. I had to cut about half of my notes just to fit in the time slot we had today. There is so much interesting stuff. I would love, if your spirit is stirred today, for you to read Judges 4 for yourself this week and see what God speaks to you and brings out to you. But these are three points I want to share with you today. Number one, God chooses you. Can you say that? God chooses you say me. God chooses me. He chooses us. You know, this is an incredible story today when we see God has chosen two people who happen to be women, because it's fun to preach on Mother's Day about women, right? It's all about the girls. And two people that God uses in very unsuspecting and very unorthodox ways. So we need to understand the culture in this day is women were second-class citizens, Women didn't have the same capabilities and rights as the men. And this, in this culture, it was a time where men did almost everything. And so interesting that God uses two women at a very pivotal moment in history to carry out his purposes. You know, God tends to bypass the people that man thinks are qualified. We see this throughout Scripture, don't we, where God chooses for the heart, and he overlooks some people that we naturally would think would be God's choice. That's not what God does. The Bible says, instead, God chose 
things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. You know, that's just how God works, right? So in other words, God chooses imperfect people to be conduits of his will so that he can extend his grace to them and display his glory through them. I tell you what, God is looking at your potential today. Your imperfections and, and your disadvantages, they don't disqualify you from doing something great for God. In fact, that makes you the perfect candidate for God to show his glory through and for him to get all the glory. God chooses you today. You know, in both cases, Deborah and J.L., whether they knew it or not, they were chosen. They were chosen. They were the right people at the right place, at the right time, in the right position. You know, the key to being chosen by God is just to be ready for whatever comes your way. So how do we do that? Well, number one, we just be available. We just be available. You know, God will use people who are willing to do something for his glory. God doesn't need our ability. He never has. He needs your availability. Secondly, we watch for opportunities. Deborah had the opportunity. She heard from the Lord, and she acted on it. JL had the opportunity. She had a chance to do something, and she acted on it. You know, I pray that one of the things I pray often is that God would give me divine appointments for me to encounter the Holy Spirit and be led and and. and speak up in someone's life, whether it be at the grocery store or on the ball field or at work or, or even here at church where I'm just watching for opportunities that God can use me in. Number three, don't think it has to be something big. It's usually not because many extraordinary things come disguised as very ordinary things. Yet so many times we miss it because we're looking for the big thing. But God wants to use you even in the little things. So God has chosen you today. So what about you? What is God choosing for you to do? Because God has chosen you. He's selected you. He's called you. He specifically to you, he's called you because he has a plan for your life. So God has a purpose. He created you on purpose for purpose. It's a specific calling, and he selected you. But can I just tell you this? God can call you all day long, but until you do something with it, it means nothing. Number one, God calls you. Number two, God equips you. Someone say, God equips me. Tell someone else, God equips you. So in this story today, we see two women who God equipped to women who likely felt unqualified, inadequate. They probably felt apprehensive and, and not worthy. I mean, certainly they wondered if they were the person for the job, the right person. You know, I, hard, I think it's hard to think of a more fitting example than motherhood. And it just happens to be Mother's Day today, so we'll just go with that. But being a mom is hard. Can I get an Amen. That's right. And we second-guess ourselves. We think we're, I don't know that I've ever felt more e ill-equipped for anything than motherhood. And, and these are times where you second-guess. You wonder if you're messing it all up. You're wondering if you've got what it takes. And we just kind of feel ill-prepared for it. 
You know, I think if we're honest, everyone in this room, though, when God calls you to something, our first instinct is to say, you know, I'm not equipped for that. I'm not worthy of that. I'm not qualified to do that. I think most days when we're called to do, we feel that. Because it's a humbling thing to be called to the Lord. You know, you could ask any one of our staff members on a given day. We're like, oh, if there was someone else to do it. You know, um, I'm preaching this message to myself today. I, I'm totally out of my comfort zone preaching. Um, and my husband does an incredible job every Sunday. But whenever I have the opportunity to, to share, I'm always like, babe, how do you do it? You do it every week so faithfully. Here's the thing. God equips you. You know, one of the scripture verses I lean into heavily is my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. So now I am glad to boast about the weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. God loves it when you're weak. God loves your weaknesses today. And that's when he can work his power best in you. You know, this is a verse heavily, heavily I lean on. God, in my weakness, Give me your strength. God, I can't do this on my own. I don't even want to do this on my own, God. But in your perfect strength, God, I know you're going to help me. You know, when God calls you, I promise you this, you will question whether you have what it takes. You will. And I'm here to tell you as lovingly as I possibly can, you don't. You don't have what it takes, but he does. Because in him, he makes your weakness strong. And he wants to use you. So that what you've called, he's called you to, he will equip you for. So both women in our story today stepped into the role that God had called her to, something way bigger than her. She stepped into a role, a role that they were positioned for, they were prepared for, they were selected for, and they were equipped for. See, Deborah, she was a prophet she was a wise and respected leader of Israel. And we know that she held court under the palm trees. And we know that she only could do that with God's divine wisdom. We know that Deborah had a remarkable relationship with God. And because of that, she had incredible insight from God. Do you know that God will make you smarter than you are? Amen. God equipped her because she was spirit-filled and she had a heart after him. J.L. was a tent dweller, a foreigner. And J.L. was strong and she was skilled. You know, in J.L.'s culture, the women were in charge of all elements of preparing and setting up their tents. And so that required a very skillful use of a mallet and a tent peg. She did it a thousand times. And she was familiar with it. So in short, JL wasn't going to miss. God equipped her. God equipped these girls for the assignment that he had for them. And I'm going to tell you here today, God will equip you for whatever it is he's calling you to do. But I'm also here to tell you, just because he's chosen you and just because he's called you doesn't mean it's going to be easy. You know, there are many people who aspire to make a difference in the world, but very few are willing to pay the price to actually do it. So specifically to the ladies in the room, I want to tell you three things about God equipping you. Number one, God has been equipping you all along. You see, God doesn't waste a moment. Everything he's brought you through until this time, he will use like Deborah, God is calling you into the fight. 
like JL, God will often use what's already in your hands and in your sphere of influence. Number two, don't be afraid. That's way easier said than done, right? You know, I've seen a lot of women who never step into the fullness of God and what he has for them. I've seen a lot of women never step into their, what, what God has given them. Maybe it be their position or authority or their voice or their influence or their leadership. See, whatever God has called you to do, you can trust that he has equipped you. And then what do we do? We walk in it. Ladies, you have the capability to hear from God. You have the capability to discern what the Spirit of God is saying and be led by the Spirit. See, when you're called by God, he places that call upon your life, and there's an authority that comes with it that you walk in it. You know, we have some heroes here in our own congregation. We have so many to count, but I'm going to recognize four of them today. We have Carla Bailey, who's a hero, who stepped up into our time of transition. Yeah. Give it up for her. She's a hero. Stepped up in as worship to take over our worship department while we're in our time of transition. She's a hero. She's done that. She's stepped into that a little bit apprehensive, a little bit uncertain. But I tell you what, God he has equipped her for this moment. We know that. We have Jeannie Mills who's here, and she leads our Breaking Chains ministry, which is all about freedom. And God has used her mightily and has used her ministry because of what she's walked through, she now can walk other people through. That's just God. We have Jen Weber who who has started a group in her home because I'll just be honest with you, we weren't meeting her needs here on a Sunday morning. And so I said, Jen, what can we do to help Get that need met. And so she started a home group in her home that she still comes and is very much a part of this church and very much a volunteer here. But she also is leading in her home in a way that feeds her spirit. Yeah. I tell you what, that's maturity. That is maturity where she's bringing a solution to a problem that she saw. We have Sherry Robinson who serves in our kids' ministry. She is a rock star. I don't think she's in here, is she? She's in kids' ministry, of course. Yeah, who stepped into a position that God is now using her in and walking. These girls are no, nothing special. Now, I think they're very special. But they're, they're not doing anything out of the ordinary that every one of us could do. But they're walking in it. I love that. So number one, God chooses you. Number two, God equips you. And number three, it's not about you. Come on. It's not about you. Tell someone, it's not about me. Tell someone else, it's not about you. That's right. See, the song of Deborah that's composed after the battle in Judges chapter 5, it gives us a little bit more insight about what started in Deborah's heart. What awakened her from her comfortable existence? And she exclaims this, wake up, Deborah. Wake up. You know, with all of this turmoil in the world these days, we can relate to Deborah as a role model who lived through troubled times. After 20 years of oppression, while most of the people around her were cowering in fear, God awakened something within her. God awakened a zeal within her to do something. 
And as Deborah awoke, she arose as a leader that would awaken others to step into the fight. You know, I can just imagine Deborah leading the Israelites into war. I mean, this would be big news. This would be huge news. It would be on CNN, MSN. It would for sure be on Fox News. But I can't help but think that our sweet little JL heard about this righteous hero that was taking the lead in the army of God who stepped up and became an unsuspecting leader of Israel. I mean, you'd better believe all eyes were on Deborah, including JL's. You know, a mother's heart is for her children to go further than she ever did. A mother's heart wants her children to surpass her in every way. A mother's heart wants her children to stand on her shoulders and see further and reach further than she ever did. And this is exactly what's happening as Deborah prophesies that a woman will take the credit for the kingdom. Do you remember in verse 9 where Barak says, the glory will be given to a woman? See, she's not talking about her. Deborah's not talking about herself. She's talking about empowering the next generation. She's talking about giving the authority over to another woman to take the credit. She's talking about raising up someone else within the ranks. It wasn't about her. You know, heroes produce heroes. And when leaders lead, others will follow. When leaders have vision, others will begin to see it. When leaders see a problem, they become part of the solution and do something about it. So as Deborah steps into her role, others around her have the courage to step into theirs. I can't help but think that JL maybe mustered a little bit of courage because she heard of another woman doing something courageous. This is what this is about. Paul talks about it. To the church of Corinth, he says, I urge you, be imitators of me. And when those people followed him, they became of an example to other peoples who followed them. Do you see how this works? It's a ripple effect. So when leaders lead, others will follow. So realize this, God didn't save you so you could live comfortably and one day go to heaven. God saved you so that you would lead others to follow Jesus Christ. Because before the foundations of the world, God prepared specific plans for you that he wants to accomplish through you, that he wants to accomplish through your obedience, through your life. And he's called you to it. Deborah's final legacy reads this. So the land rested for 40 years. Her courageous life brought peace to a nation. What a gorgeous legacy. You know, that's, there might be some in the room today who, who say, you know, Kristen, you're, you're talking about calling. You're talking about purpose. You're talking about, about living God's plan for your life and that God shows me, but I just don't know what that is for me. I'm not sure what that looks like for me. I need to have God's assignment. In fact, maybe that's why I'm in church today, because I'm, I'm believing that God's going to show me something. I'm going to have a supernatural encounter with him to show me a glimpse of the future, a vision that I need. I need to get a word from the Lord. 
And what I say to you is that's very honest and that's very real. But when you spend time with God and when you lean into him and you lean into his heart, you begin to know his heart. And we complicate this call thing so much. But let me just tell you this. If you don't have an assignment today, let me just put one in your lap. It's called the Great Commission. Matthew 28. It's why it's God's plan for our life that you would go into all the world and that you would preach the gospel and you would be his witnesses and you would make him known. It's not about you. You don't have a call today. Let me tell you, God's call and purposes for your life is that you would glorify God. Did you know that's why you were created? That your life and everything you do, that you would give him glory? Oh, God wants to bless you today. He wants, to, he wants you to walk in the fulfillment of everything that he has for you. But really, at the end of the day, it's not about what he can do to improve your life. It's about what God could do to bring glory through your life. You need a call today? How about loving the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind? You need a call today? How about loving your neighbor? That's a great call. You don't have a vision today. Can I tell you what? Your pastor has a vision. How about getting behind the vision of the house, getting behind what God is doing here and start serving, start showing up for more than one service and be an answer. Catch that vision. You know, we've had people show up here at the crack of dawn today, getting ready for worship, getting ready to lead you into the presence of God, making the coffee that you're drinking getting your kid's ministry set up so your kid can hear about Jesus in a way they understand. Those are the heroes. Those are the people walking in their calling, walking in their purpose, walking and knowing what God has chosen them for. And they have a calling and they're living it out. Winston Churchill says this, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. It's not about you. Think of it this way. On an ordinary day, the Lord said to Deborah, wake up. It's time to take action, but it's going to take a little bit of courage and a whole lot of faith. On an ordinary day, God said to JL, wake up. It's time to take action, but it's going to take courage and it's going to take a whole lot of faith. On an ordinary day, May 8th, 2022, perhaps God is calling you by name and saying, wake up. It's time to take action, but it's going to take courage, and it's going to take a whole lot of faith. Amen. God chooses you today. God has equipped you today, and I'm going to tell you what, it's not about you. It's all about him. Amen. Can we just give him a hand clap of praise? Thank you, Jesus. God, you're good. Amen. Amen. So as I close, realize today that God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. And he wants to awaken that plan of God in your life today. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com.
blessed week.